Advent season, we've been looking at the question, why Christmas? In a culture that's moving farther away from our Christian heritage, we are also moving farther away from the true meaning of Christmas and what it's all about and why we do the things that we do. I see so many people this time of year that are stressed, that feel like they're being run ragged trying to get everything done, and now we're in the final nine days and the stress is even higher. There's gifts to be bought, there's gifts to wrap, there's dinners to plan, and it's just exhausting. And I don't think God ever intended for the celebration of his son's birth to wear us down and wear us out. I think it was meant to be energizing and hopeful. So why Christmas? Luke gives us an answer. Actually, Luke gives us several answers, and that's what we've been talking about. Let me read verses 10 and 11 of chapter 2 of Luke's gospel. And join me as we reflect on these words and think about why Christmas. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. The angel said, do not be afraid. And we talked about how Christmas can cast out fear if we truly embrace the one who was born in the manger. The angel said that good news of great joy has come to us. And we talked about how Christmas can dispel disappointment. This world is full of disappointments. But Christ can help us turn our disappointments into good things, into blessings, and use them for our good if we let him. This morning I want us to think about the fact that Christmas gives us hope. The angel's message was given to some shepherds out in a field that night. An unlikely choice. <laughs> I can imagine the angels sitting around with our Heavenly Father in kind of a council and God laying out, here's, here's what I plan to do for the redemption of humanity. What I plan to do to save my people from their sins. And Gabriel, Gabriel, I need you. I need you to go down and announce what has happened. Great. Who do you want me to go to? Uh, you, you want me to go to the, the palace? To the king? To the princes? No. Do you want me to go to the wealthy and the powerful? People of influence? No. Do you want me to go to the leaders of the religious community? No. <laughs> well, who am I going to tell? I want you to go to the shepherds. To the, what? <laughs> you want me to go to shepherds? See, we don't really understand the, the status of shepherds in Jesus' day. Uh, they were very low on the social ladder. People didn't like shepherds very much. Most of them were poor, and because they lived out with the sheep, they were dirty, and they didn't smell very good. 
They were somewhat isolated socially because they spent most of their time out in the fields with the sheep. You know you've been a shepherd too long when you start having conversations with them. <laughs> hey, Bob, how you doing? You know, that, <laughs> they just did not have much of a life. Their life was devoted to caring for sheep, and quite often it wasn't even their own sheep. They just took care of them for someone else. So they were one of the most unlikely choices God could have. But I think one reason he chose them is because they needed hope. Their, their life situation didn't give them much reason for hope. Nothing was going to change. Nothing was going to get better. And God was about to make their day. <laughs> and perhaps you find yourself in a similar situation this Christmas. Needing hope. Maybe some of those lab tests came back from the doctor and they're not what you had hoped for or expected. Some people have lost a job. Others are struggling to pay bills. The bills are getting higher and the money is getting smaller. Some people are hanging on by a thread in some of their relationships, trying to keep a marriage together or have relationships with their children. A lot of people just are not able to see that light that is supposed to be at the end of the tunnel. And they just don't have much hope. And if that's your situation, you need to put yourself on the hillside with the shepherd, and you need to hear the words of the angel. That today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. That first word would have caught their attention. Today, we just read it and, and move on. We don't give it any thought. But remember, these shepherds were part of the Jewish people, and they had been told for centuries, for generations, that a Messiah was going to come, a Savior was going to come and change everything. Okay, and every time they heard it, it's like, someday, sometime, have you ever tried to tell a child that what they want is going to be someday rather than now? They don't receive that very well. I know our, our girls used to come and, uh, you know, we want to go to the park and play. Well, well, maybe later. But I want to go to the park and play. Well, maybe sometime this week. <laughs> We want to go to the park. I mean, they want to hear now. They want to hear today. And so did the shepherds. Every time they heard the rabbi in the synagogue give those prophecies of the coming of the Christ, they had to sit there and go, okay, yeah, we've, we've heard that one a few hundred times before. And they were losing hope. But on this night... When the angel appeared to them, he didn't just say, the Savior's coming. 
He said, the Savior is here. It's today. And we need to know that too. No matter how hopeless a situation may seem, no matter how dark our lives may be, today, in this moment, we have a Savior to go through that with us. We have hope. Furthermore, it's not just today, but it's here. He said, today in the town of David. Now, we don't think much about that, but the town of David is Bethlehem, and Bethlehem is where the shepherds are. The angel didn't appear to say, today your Savior's born, and he's 500 miles away in a distant country. He said, today in the town of David. In other words, he's right over there. He's here. We need to hear that. Not only is our Savior today, but he's here. He's never more than a prayer away. There is no distance you have to cover in order to connect with your Savior. And in that word, a Savior has been born. I found it interesting when I, when I learned life-saving in the Boy Scouts. They said one of the first things you're going to have to realize is the person you're going out to save may not let you. And I, what? They're drowning. I'm going to swim out to them and offer to bring them in, and they're not going to let me. He said, no. There's something psychological that happens, and they're thrashing around in the water, and they're trying desperately to keep their head above water, and when you get out there, the first thing they're going to do is grab hold of you and shove you under, trying to climb on top of you, as if that would, would help. Their mind is not going to register that you are there to save them. So you have to get a little aggressive. You have to, sometimes you even have to pull them under. So they'll stop fighting long enough for you to grab them and bring them in. And I think there's so many people like that in the world today. They hear the Christmas story. They hear that a Savior's been born. And they're like, well, I don't know that I need one. You know, it's only good news that a Savior's been born if you need saving. But the message of God is that we all do. We all do. And then that that raises another question. Why this elaborate plan for God to leave heaven and come to earth as Jesus in the form of a baby? And then to live his life here for over 30 years and then to die on a cross and then to rise again? It all sounds pretty complicated. Why didn't God just issue a pardon from heaven? Hello, people of earth. Today, I declare your sins are forgiven. Amen. <laughs> Couldn't he do that? He's almighty God. I think he could do that. But he couldn't do that and also be a God of justice. A God of love would do that, but a God of justice said no. You can't just excuse their sinfulness and their disobedience and their rebellion. You can't just wipe it out. It has to be paid. The price has to be paid. Well, who's going to do that? I am. 
I heard a story that put it in perspective. There was a jogger who liked to go jogging at night, and he liked to run through the cemetery, which was fairly dark, but he knew it very well, and he had a path that kind of wove through the tombstones, and so he was not afraid to, to run at night in the cemetery. But what he didn't know is that that morning they had dug a fresh grave and had been in such a hurry that they forgot to put the boards over the top. So he's running through the cemetery and all of a sudden he falls into this hole. He's a fairly short guy and the hole's over six foot deep and try as hard as he might, he can't get out. So he just sits down in the corner of the grave to wait till morning. He's assuming if there's a grave, there's probably going to be a funeral. Won't that be a surprise? <laughs> Carrying the casket to the grave and hear, Hello! <laughs> Down here! <laughs> you know. But he's just sitting there. But wouldn't you know, about an hour later... Another jogger who likes the same cemetery and follows the same path. I know I'm stretching credibility, but work with me here. He falls in the same hole. And he tries as hard as he can, and he can't get out. So the first guy walks over, puts his hand on his shoulder. <laughs> and says, you can't get out of here. <laughs> when he revives from fainting... <laughs> The first guy says to him again, you can't get out of here, and I can't get out of here, but we can get out of here. And so he puts his hands like this, he boosts the guy up so that he can climb out of the hole, and then he lays down and reaches down and grabs the other guy and pulls him out of the hole. And when I heard that story, I thought that is exactly the message of Christmas, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, which means the grave is the end result of all of our lives. That's it. It's final. It's over. Unless someone comes along to get us out. But that someone has to be in the grave with us in order to help us get out. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. He came into this world. He lived a sinless life. The grave was not his destiny, but he said, it's yours, and I'm going there with you. And he went to the grave. And then three days later, he rose again, and he pulled us out with him. Christmas celebrates the birth of a Savior, someone who was willing to jump in the hole with us and pull us out because Christmas gives us hope.
They're singing carols of joy and peace. But you feel too far gone and too far out of reach. Somewhere in your silent night, heaven hears the song. Just lift of peace won't go from manger low to Calvary's hill when your pain runs deep his love runs deeper still he has always loved you child and he always will Let us pray. God, I thank you that there is no distance your love won't go. That it would go from the halls of heaven to one of the lowliest places on earth, an animal stable in a food trough, a manger. That you were willing to come into our world because you love us. And that you've given us all hope 
that we can rise above what our sin has done to us. We can be restored in our relationship with you. And when the time comes that this body of ours is put in the grave, our spirit, our soul can soar to heaven to be with you. You came down to us that first Christmas so we can come up to you when our time on earth is over. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. In a few minutes, we're going to be closing the service with a baptism. Case Powell came last week during this time of invitation, and he confessed his faith in Jesus Christ as his Savior. He's only seven years old. And there's a whole lot about Jesus and about the Christian life he doesn't yet understand. But what he does know is that he has a Savior. And that he wants to open his life to receive that Savior in his heart. And that's really the starting point for everybody. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to know everything there is to know about Jesus. You may still have questions. You may even have some doubts. God gets it. But if you're willing to take that first step to say, I know I need you, and I know you love me, and I accept your love, your death on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins, that's, all, that's a starting point. And then from there you can grow in your walk with him. So if you're willing to take that first step of faith, I want to invite you to come this morning. We're going to sing a song together, and while we're singing, if you would come up here and join me, I would, I would receive you. I would lead you in a simple confession of faith that says you believe in Jesus and accept him as your Lord and Savior. I will pray with you. We'll plan for your baptism as well, and we will set your feet on the path of being a follower of Jesus Christ. We're going to stand together. And sing hymn number 192, verses 1 and 3.